What's up, people, and welcome to Over the Top. We're here on the pod to celebrate Boxing Day. Yes, the holiday where I'm not really sure what the true meaning is, but I do know it means all the Premier League holiday fixtures. Just a quick reminder before we start the show that we're on Twitter and Instagram at Over the Top EPL. I'm Colin. I've got my main man, Justin, here. What's up, good sir? What's up, good sir? I have the Boxing Day origination. So from BBC, this is the quote. The name comes from a time when the rich used to box up gifts to give to the poor. Boxing Day was traditionally a day off for servants, and the day when they received a special Christmas box from their masters. The servants would go home on Boxing Day, hence the box, to give Christmas boxes to their families. Though today, it is primarily known as a shopping holiday. So there you go. That's like the most British capitalistic thing I can possibly think of, like, Here's your uh, peasant Christmas. Yeah, here's a, a box of stuff. <laughs> Jesus. You know who wishes they could get a box of anything would be Sheffield and West Brom. Good God, they're awful. I mean, a gift of any sort would be nice for those teams. Maybe like a goal to practice actually putting the ball in the back of that thing for once, but I don't Oof. make it Well, that's that. asking a lot, Kyle. Wow. Yeah. You yeah. know what it was a gift, though, Kyle, was me wearing an Arsenal shirt last week when they were on a terrible run of form i wear the jersey and what do we know kyle 3-1 arsenal win over chelsea football club justin in arsenal jersey 1-0 what do we think what do we think you you heard you heard you heard it here first you know whenever you walked into the room when we were recording this wearing your arsenal jersey i felt insulted uh angry confused a little scared I, you know, but um, yeah, hey, ooh. you got to say you're you're here for it, and uh, best result of the season for Chelsea or for Arsenal by far. Yeah, and one of the worst for Chelsea. I mean, when you lose to a relegation club, that's terrible. But all kidding aside, uh, when you when you go back and you start to digest that match, besides that, I made I single handedly made this result happen. Arsenal were deserved winners, Kyle. I mean. I don't know if it was more of Arsenal's luck or Chelsea's just terrible, aimless in attack performance, which we can probably break down in a second. But we had a lot of youngsters show up for Arsenal. We saw a starting lineup that featured Lacazette, somebody that you and I have talked about in previous podcasts of not really featuring, even though he's a prominent goal scorer for them. They had Martinelli, they had what Smith Rowe in this game. They had all these young players, uh, Obama Yang benched, and Arsenal winning. So what what do we think? Is it is it because of that direct result, or was there an, another accentuating circumstance that led to Arsenal's win? I think it's it's got to be a combination of both. I mean, this I, I think the young starting lineup can be attributed to the first performance we've seen all season where Arsenal had energy. You know, they they seem to be really up for it. If they concede a goal, their heads don't go down. I mean, the whole squad has been guilty that this season. So uh, this Arsenal team was pressing like never seen before this season, you know, had that energy. But you got to say, Chelsea were really poor on the day. I mean, they're really in a bad run of form. Uh, Timo Werner's really struggling up there and was hooked at halftime. Um, But there was an element of luck to all of these goals. The... uh, I mean, it was a stupid challenge from Reese James for to set up Lacazette's penalty. Uh, that Jaka banger comes, you know, our, a good friend of ours said once every thirty games, which couldn't. That is 
so true. I think that's still a little generous, but sure. Yeah, yeah, it probably is a little generous. Once a season, um, and then that Bukayo Saka goal. He says he meant it. I don't know what he's smoking. Is that he wasn't even looking at the goal? So, uh, and then you know, Jorginho missed pen as well. Uh, yeah, this game could have been a little closer than than three one. Yeah, I mean, if you look at our good old friend XG, Chelsea actually had a higher of a two point three to two point one, and large part two point one of Arsenal was from that penalty. And so, without that penalty, Chelsea would have won easily. Uh, though Chelsea had a penalty that they missed, so wash, wash, right? right? But still. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal is this is this repeatable? Is the really the main question here? I mean, obviously they had the Jaka banger, really good goal. They had the El Nani strike that was really close to going in. Obviously Chelsea had the Mount one, but that's Chelsea. I don't know how repeatable this is, Kyle. A penalty is a penalty, right? But a lucky, lucky Saka cross and a Jaka banger, not really a goal from open play. I mean, the Saka goal was, but like, eh. So yes. I'm not sure how repeatable it is, so I'm not sold on Arsenal's like continued success, Kyle. Yeah, I'm not either. I, I'm I I think a lot of people might be in a little ahead of themselves and saying like, okay, this is the turning point in the season, and I think it could 100% be the turning point because there's a lot of just the sheer energy alone is like the most positive thing from this result. But yeah, a, a lot of fluky goals in this one. Um, but you got to say it is a lot better. Uh, from from Arsenal, but just seeing as how sloppy they were at the end, uh, you know Chelsea had some more chances beyond the missed penalty and the goal. Um, you know that's going to be an issue for Arteta moving forward, and they still look like they're missing that sort of cutting edge up top. Uh, they did bench a bombing though, which is really interesting. You know, is that something that Arteta continues to look to do? Or is it really more of a matter of resting him during all the holiday fixtures? For me, you got to stick Bombing in there and make it work. Right. Yeah. I mean, we'll find out obviously tomorrow as there's yeah. games every day forever, it seems like. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the holiday fixtures are crazy. I mean, what was it? Leicester had two games in 48 hours or something. Yep. Chelsea, same with Chelsea. It's, it's kind of crazy what some of these teams have to go through. So, I mean, wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Uh, Arsenal's next few games, Brighton, West Brom, Crystal Palace, Newcastle. Not, yep. I mean, if, if Arsenal are ever going to do it, this is the time. Yep, and it's all because you wore that damn jersey. Absolutely. Let's move to Chelsea for a second, Kyle. You mentioned Timo Werner, hooked at halftime for Callum Hudson-Odoi. Are Chelsea better off right now without their German superstars? Ooh. For the now, when they really need results, I th- I think so. I think so. It's way too early to call them flops. Way too early to say that you know their best eleven doesn't include them. But for the now, in this during this crazy fixture list, I think if you put out your best eleven, I'm not sure Werner fits into that. Definitely Havertz doesn't, in my opinion. I mean Havertz has looked invisible, whereas you know Werner will play poorly but still get involved in some uh, plays. But you know with with Pulisic coming back. Hudson Adoy is an interesting option. Um, you know, they've Ziek is coming back soon as well. I don't think Werner really fits into that best eleven. I think you gotta put Giroud up top, personally. How are you feeling? Giroud keeps scoring goals. I mean, that was a great header, by the way. I mean yeah. Giroud, what he keeps doing at his eight. I mean, he's in a run of form, you have to say. I mean, how can you take him out of the lineup of all the players? And Pulisic has looked good since he's come back too, but I mean yeah, yeah, right. it seems like Giroud has to be a mainstay. 
Yeah, and you're talking about the Giroud header from the. the I game was. Before, I just realized like, I said that, but, but yeah. Oh no, no, no! You're, you're. I mean, you're right though. I, we've seen a lot of promising stuff from Tammy Abraham, but I think he lacks a certain uh, quality in the, you know, uh, 18 yard box. Even though his runs are great and one for the future for sure, but I don't think Werner gets into this best eleven just yet. Maybe in a few weeks. Uh, but Chelsea, man, they've lost their last three away games now to Arsenal, Wolves, and um, Everton. Yikes. I don't know. Do you, do you see it getting much better for them? They have City uh, coming up soon here. I don't know. I mean... Yeah. Uh, oh, I, and I, Villa. I, <laughs> right. So they... Mm, yeah, so Villa they played. We'll get to that in the next episode, but... Yeah, Chelsea, Fulham, Leicester, Wolves, Burnley. I, I see a mixed bag in there, and a, just a consistency, con, in, con, consistently inconsistent is what yeah. I think Chelsea will be this season. But they have all the talent, so can they put it together? That's the, that's the big million-dollar question. Moving on, Kyle, we have Leicester City played Manchester United this weekend, and they tied 2-2. Two to two. Really exciting game. Probably my favorite watch of the entire weekend. I mean, it seemed like Kyle Marcus Rashford had countless opportunities to put this game away. Couldn't do it. And then the late Vardy equalizer was actually classified as an own goal, but made by Vardy, obviously tied it up late. So what are your what are your overarching thoughts from this match? Definitely. I mean, and I got to give a shout out to Harvey Barnes with an absolute banger yeah. with his left foot somewhere in there as well. Bruno Fernandez getting a non-penalty goal for once. I'm just kidding. He actually, Fernandez, he's been one of the best players this season, in my opinion. But he has. Uh, you're, you're totally right about Rashford, man. I mean, I think a lot about Marcus Rashford, both on the pitch and off. Uh, but if he wants to get to that next sort of level of player, he's got to start putting these goals. And he should have had a hat trick in this game. I mean, a header and he missed an open goal, and it's just he's got to do better in his fish, uh, finishing. Um, and that would have taken United um, in the clear in this game. I thought they were a draw is a, a, a fair result, question mark, but United, in my opinion, edged this one. But this uh, Bruno Fernandez's form, man, uh, had a good assist, he had a goal. Um, but you and I were talking before the pod, he did have an error for that Harvey Barnes goal. He did, he did, and that was a Really, really bad giveaway near your own box. I mean, it was outside it, but near your own box led less than 30 seconds later to the goal. So he's he did great this game, obviously, an assist and a goal, which a nice assist from Cavani as well in this game. And yeah. uh, someone that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said would get more playing time. But yeah, you can't make those those mistakes against a lesser team that like to counter and pounce and will hit you so quickly. And finished nicely by Barnes. But you look at this game and you look at the stats, I mean, United generated a lot of really, really good chances, but not a lot of quantity of chances. So a lot of quality chances, as we just said with Rashford, wanted to do better with some of them. I know Schmeichel would have said he liked to, he would have liked to save the near post, uh, or no, would have liked to save one. But at the end of the day, Kyle, I think it's a fair result. United, I mean... You have to say they're run a form, no losses in their last five or more. And yeah. are they are they settling in under Ole? Is it what what is it? 
I, I think they are somewhat. I, I think what the difference between Manchester United in these last few weeks as opposed to the early part of the season is their their games, their individual games aren't as erratic. I mean, they were putting in terrible performances for a half, 60 minutes, and then would suddenly show up at the very end of the game. And with all their firepower, they can score goals. I mean, in this game, we saw Cavani with that great assist you mentioned. I mean, he just drew out the entire defense with a run and Seems pretty simple, but it's an intuitive, you know, high quality, um, you know, strikers play. So I, I think United is just finding a little bit more consistency in terms of their performances within a single game. But that being said, that's just for United standards. I mean, they still look pretty inconsistent. They still look weak defensively. I still have a lot of question marks about this team and the general quality of their whole squad, but. Moving forward, I mean, man, they can score goals. So if they can shut up shop a little bit at the back, um, you know, I think that good form that they're on uh, will continue. But still a lot of question marks around Manchester United for me. Next three for United, Wolves, Villa, and Liverpool. I think that's going to be some fascinating matchups in there, mainly the latter two. But Wolves, I mean, they've shown they can give teams trouble, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, Leicester, first draw of the season. We have been talking about they either win or lose. There's no middle ground for Leicester, but they are out. They are able to get a point out of this one, which I think they'll take very positively, given the game flow and the Rashford missed challenges or missed chances. I mean, you know how I feel about this, but do you think Leicester should challenge for the top four, and what are their chances? One hundred percent. You got to throw Leicester into the mix. I think. We've seen a team like Everton, you know, they're in second place now and they've played really well, but Leicester to me is the biggest, he has the biggest chance to break into that quote unquote top six. I mean, (laughs) top six includes Arsenal and we all know where they are right now, but uh, Leicester 100% can challenge for top four. They should, that should be their aim. Uh, I think they've got a pretty decent chance, especially with all these other teams dropping points, Um, you know, but we also got to take into uh, account that Spurs and Chelsea are on some pretty bad form. So uh, that also helps Leicester, but um, you know, they're good top to bottom. They've got good players coming back like Ricardo Pereira, Soyuncu, and Didi's back. So uh, it's, it's promising for Leicester. I agree. I mean, this is the year to do it. I mean, all this uncertainty, you have no team running away with it, let alone in the top four. So I mean, Spurs have had their downs. Obviously, Chelsea, Arsenal are way down there. United have gone down in the beginning, but up. City have not been great. So, I mean, Liverpool, we'll see if they buy a defender. Yeah, I mean, if there's ever a chance to do it, I think this is the year. I mean, obviously, last year was the year, but we know what happened there. So, uh, yeah, I I definitely think they should challenge for top four, whether they get it or not. But I'd say, you know, you'd have to give a peg at least 50%, right, as of now. Yeah, get in the top four. I mean, yeah, I'm. It's it's hard to argue with that. I mean, they're going to be duking it out with uh, United, Chelsea, and Spurs, one hundred percent. I, 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 you know, I personally think City will start climbing pretty soon here. So uh, it'll be those four duking it out for the third and fourth spots. And Leicester, they, hey man, they've got a good shout. Vardy is developing even more as a player, which is surprising, but. They've got good talent, man. And a lot of their good players are young as well, so you'd expect them to improve. Real quick, in those assumptions where you said they'd be challenging with United, Spurs, and Chelsea, you're eliminating Everton and Villa completely from the calculation. 
I personally am, but it seems like you're wanting to throw Everton and Villa into the mix. Spicy. I mean, is it though? Is it spicy? Is that is that a hot take, or is it kind of like generally? By name recognition alone, it's a hot take. But I mean, I've wanted to throw Villa in the basement, like, oh yeah, they'll finish around eighth. You know, like I've I've wanted to do that all season, and they haven't done it yet. I mean, they haven't shown it. So, anyways, let's move on. Wolverhampton Wanderers, the Great Wolves, they tied Spurs this weekend, one to one. I mean, Spurs couldn't have started any faster and Domblay a goal within, what, 40 seconds or so. And then Jose Mourinho did a Jose Mourinho. And after the goal, he said, yeah, we're not going to do anything else this game. We'll make Spurs, or sorry, we'll make Wolves score on us. Wolves eventually scored on you in the 85th minute or so. And uh, that's all she wrote at a 1-1 draw. Kyle, as a Spurs fan, what do you got? Uh, What a game plan, man. What a game plan. I wonder if... You know, I, I was thinking after the game that this might be the first match as a Spurs fan where I'm thinking, man, this Jose Mourinho style is killing me. I haven't felt it yet before, but this was the first time where I was like, Spurs were asking for it. I mean, this whole game. So do, I was we start, watching... do we start with Spurs or Wolves? Where would you like to start? It seems like you want to start with Spurs. Should we start with Spurs? I was I was saying we should start with Wolves, man. Cause... Okay, let's start with Wolves. Well, we'll we'll get to we'll get to Spurs in a minute because I don't want to just rant for a while. But uh, you know, Wolves really took the game to Spurs, and they deserved that goal. They you could argue they might even deserve to have won the game. Uh, Fabio Silva at the very end of the game had a header, and if that was Raul Jimenez, two one Wolves I, for me. So Spurs were yeah. really asking for it. They sat back deep and invited Wolves on and. Wolves have got these crafty, crafty players in Potence, Neto, Triore. You know, Potence and Neto are kind of a joy to watch, Kyle. They're really fun. Uh, I mean, as you've met, as I think you posted on social media, Potence had the sauce on some of your Spurs uh, faithful there. Again, Uh, again. they're not the only ones. How many times have we talked? How many times have we talked about Potence and his sauce this season? I mean, it's like every single match week, we're like, dude, these Potence highlights are so fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, we got to call out these players that are performing like him and Ward Prowse and some of the Madison, Grealish, some of the players that are not on the big six teams that everyone knows. Pedro Neto as well. I mean, he was my man of the match, honestly. I think he created a lot of dangerous chances. He's really dangerous. And for a young player, I think he's going to keep improving and probably go to a bigger club. Oh, yeah, he's got to. I mean, he's 20 years old. He's got the technique. He's actually a lot stronger and faster than I ever gave him credit for. He's got a good finish on him as well. And Triari hasn't even showed up for Wolves this year. So (laughs) players, man, they've got some players and some decent midfielders as well. But, you know, there's been a lot of talk between you and I about finishing these chances. And Wolves are just crying out for a striker. It seems like Jimenez is going to be out for a while, but... They definitely need one in January, probably more than any other team that that I can think of. And I'm sure they'll get one. You know, I, I know I they'll probably go and get one. Fabio Silva, I don't I don't doubt he can be good one day, but he's just so young. He's not ready for this day in and day out starter this year. And so they need some sort of veteran or some sort of poacher to come in, I think, and just be dangerous and be physical around yeah. the box. Yeah, I'm 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 hearing word about Divac Origi. As an option, hmm. yeah, I, you know, I, I think there are worse options. Better than what they have, so. Yeah, I mean, I know they've got, uh, what's his name, Catrone out on loan. I don't really 
know how good of a player he is, though. So th- there are options. Uh, yeah. Oh, Luka Jovic, I think I heard too, which would be Ooh, a that would be fascinating for them. Yeah. Let's move to Tottenham, Kyle, and I'll go first, just so you know you have limited time to speak to this. But after the Ndombele goal here, which was good, obviously, you know you start within a minute. That's a fantastic start. You can't ask for better. Mourinho very happy. For 89 minutes, you play second fiddle. And I understand, like, hey, let's be conservative. Like, we got the lead. Let's hold back. But I understand that in the last, like, 30 minutes of the game. If you're Spurs with the talent that you have, I mean, who did they start this game? They started in Dombley, Kane, Son. I mean, if you have Kane and Son on the pitch, you should be going for more goals. I mean, six shots in total, 0.4 XG. Yep. What are we doing, Kyle? Like, we got we to gotta try a little more to score a second and put the team away. I mean... Spurs have got to try more, but also I just I was looking at this the lineup that Jose Mourinho put out there, and he, you know, Spurs are a bigger team than Wolves, and Spurs should one hundred percent be thinking that they're a bigger team than Spur- than Wolves, and they go out with a squad that matches Wolves. You know, they put five at the back, Kane and Son up there by themselves with Doherty and Regulon bombing forward, no right winger, so it's just. I don't really understand this. I, I really don't. They they went there to defend, and Jose is saying that, you know, it wasn't my instructions. We just showed no ambition, and I don't know. To me, it looks like it's instructed. I mean... 5-3-2 against Wolves, I don't know. When you're... You have clearly the more talent on your team. like Right. Especially against a team like Wolves, who they've got great players, but no striker. So, like... Why are you so concerned about them scoring goals? I mean, to me, this just reeked of a game that, I mean, Bale was injured, but you got to give that third attacker some confidence, which Spurs need because Son and Kane can be kind of streaky players. So it was just so negative. They were asking for it. Jose said they controlled the game. I don't know what he's smoking. That's crazy. I don't think they they controlled the game. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, maybe the first 20, minutes. 25 <laughs> minutes, maybe. Maybe the second half though was a no. joke, no. a joke, and so it's just I don't know. I last on the last pod I talked about they're defensive minded but shaky, and again shaky. I mean Sanchez made me nervous. They're really poor at set pieces. I think they've conceded like at least ten, and that's really unlike a Jose team. Yeah, Kyle. So you mentioned to me pre-show that although Tottenham have let in 15 goals, about five of them have been from open play. And so the rest being on some sort of set pieces or PKs or whatever. So that's fascinating. So Jose looks at that and is saying, oh, we're defending well and we're just getting unlucky on set pieces. To me, I'm like, dude, why is this not being worked on on the training? I mean, I'm sure it is, but it's got to be better. Uh, one moment before we move to rapid fire, positive for Spurs, Kyle. Uh, you won't see this one coming, but our boy, number eight, Harry Winks, getting a full 90. <laughs> uh, Spurs fan, non-Spurs fan, it doesn't matter who you are. I literally don't know anyone who sees much in Winks. I just, dude, he drives me nuts. He looks like a little boy out there. Winksy time. All right, Kyle, it's time for rapid fire. T 
team that would have no use for Harry Winks. Aston Villa, Kyle, absolutely destroyed Crystal Palace 3-0. And Palace, Kyle, were up a man the whole second half, and Aston Villa scored him 2-0 in the second half. What a, just an absolute obliteration. What are you doing, Hodgson? What are you doing? I mean, we've had discussions about who is the most inept team with the ball. Palace is 100% that team, and it's got me thinking. Okay, who is the worst team in the Premier League with the ball? Is it Palace? I think it, there's a good shout. Maybe Sheffield would be. Yeah, I mean Sheffield's Burnley. just bad all around. Burnley. I mean, you could argue Leicester, but even Leicester sometimes with the ball just absolutely thump teams. So I don't know. Oh, they've, they've got a player like Tielemans, whereas Palace. Who who are Palace's centermen? I I don't know. They they're Milo, all defensive. Milo, they they just. <laughs> they sit back. Yeah, they're they're horrible to watch. So if you ever score against Palace or go one 0 up, it you know they're toast. Yeah, and even with a man advantage in the whole second half, and you <laughs> can't do anything, Aston Villa winning the XG three point five to one point one. What is in a just abysmal performance? El Ghazi, real quick shout out for Aston Villa. Been really good for them after since getting the starting nod, and he's been it's been saucy. That was a banger that he scored at the end of the game. But, man, right. those those goals are just beautiful. And he meant that, too. I mean, there's a lot of chance of those goals being fluky. You know, he's kind of outside the box on the right of the goal, and he, you know, sort of rips it with an in-swinger over the keeper. Beautiful. Off the post, uh, you gave a shout-out to El Ghazi. I want to give a shout-out to Bertrand Traore as well. He was Even though he was hooked at halftime, I mean, he was everywhere in that first half. So Villa, they've got some players to go along with uh, Grealish and Watkins. Yeah. Palace, not too worried about them. I think they're just going to have these performances where they upset a team and then they just look like dog shit the other game. So that's just Roy, that's just Roy Palace for you. I, I had a word snafu there, but I, now I mean it. Roy Palace. Uh, moving on, Manchester City 2, Newcastle nil. Newcastle were really poor in this game. I don't even think it was about a city dominance as much as just Newcastle were just absolute garbage this entire game. They were, they were terrible. They didn't even try anything. They didn't have any sort of energy at all. Uh, and City, they never had to get out of first gear. You know, Ferran Torres with the goal. Um, I'm not even sure I remember who the other goal was. But um, Gunduan again, I think. So they keep on having these goals where they're going on the byline and cutting it back on with these grass cutters to the person in the middle of the goal. And yeah, I think it was Sterling, so. right? This one, Sterling. like, cut it back, and then who scored? I even forget. It was Gundogan. You're right. Yeah, so. Yeah. He's on a goal-scoring run. But, yeah, hey, if you don't have a striker, you just got to hope you grind out these wins. But City are definitely doing that. This is the most defensively solid pep team that we've right. ever seen. So if they and can really get, like, a, you know, 75 to 80 percent of their goal scoring form that they've had in other seasons they're going to be really formidable but haven't generated yeah. that yet Ferran Torres their leading goal scorer in all competitions so yep I mean he hasn't been I mean he scored a goal uh, in this game but nothing like Aguero in his prime or anything like that so no I mean he's not a striker but he's a capable player I mean I think he's only 21 years old great signing young, I think yeah. but He's really young. He can really develop, but this city squad really needs a striker. But um, you know, one signing that did work out for them is Ruben Diaz. He's totally mm-hmm. shored up that back line. So uh, even though they have all these injuries up top and are struggling to score, this groundwork really um, you know builds a foundation for them to climb up the table. Moving on, Sheffield United nil, Everton one in a game that Sheffield generated 
more goal scoring chances, but when you have Swansea legend Gilfie Sigurdsson out there, doesn't matter. Kyle gets the late winner. Everton move into second place. Wow, second place, Carlo Ancelotti. I think it's been about a year, actually, exactly a year since he came in on Boxing Day of last year. Uh, what an improvement that he's made to the squad. I mean, not only the signings, but the style of play that they have. They're actually playing really defensive right now uh, with all of their best creative players out. Uh, Richarlison was out on this one, so is James Rodriguez. Uh, Abdoulaye Ducouré has been absolutely key in this team. Absolutely. And Sheffield, two points through 15. Brutal. Yeah. Can't score. Can't get any points. See you later. They're gone. Team that can score leads United. Uh, just a slim victory over Burnley, 1-0. Uh, Patrick Bamford penalty in the opening minutes of this game. Has 10 goals on the season. For Good for him. Far, Kyle, our favorite buddy. Uh, good old Far. And this uh, disallowed goal. I mean, this was just uh, pretty cringe for Burnley, unfortunately. Oh, man. I mean, Var is only... If you talk about anything about this game, which is pretty uneventful, Var is the only place you start... This disallowed goal that they called off for a foul on Melier, the Leeds keeper, was nonsense. Nonsense. And on top of that, this Bamford penalty, you know, I was thinking it was a penalty the first time I saw it on second glance, so I think Nick Pope gets the ball on this challenge. So not a good day for VAR. Um, God, terrible. I mean, Burnley got shafted. Moving on, West Ham 2, Brighton 2, and we started off the season giving a lot of unexpected love to Brighton and Hove Albion, Kyle. That they started off with really good jerseys, this nice blue and gold. If you haven't seen it, take a look. They started off playing attractive football and still, what some would argue, are playing those, playing that style of football. But they can't score. And they can't score given the chances they are creating. And they are sitting on 13 points, two points above the relegation zone, when all these analytics and data companies are saying they should be plus 20 in expected points. They're incapable of winning, Kyle. They're incapable of scoring. I mean, I, I think the truth remains. I mean, there was, there was a list of expected goals and how many actual goals they've scored, and Burnley had the worst uh, sort of negative ratio where they just weren't finishing these expected goals. Uh, that doesn't look like it's changed whatsoever. They can't get goals out of Welbeck, who I think is pretty washed up. And Mopai, I don't really know what happened. That guy's form has just fallen off a cliff. He scored in this game, but it was pretty fluky. It's just, uh, I mean, yeah, it was 2-2, but this was a pretty mad game with some pretty, I mean, it was just set-piece goals. Really. Yeah, I mean, it was Four even. Defending. I mean, the draw was a fair result, but Brighton need to do better. I mean, 13 points with the way they've been playing and creating these chances and just not finishing. It's just pretty brutal, honestly. Like, I'm ready to put them on my naughty list again. I mean, West Brom is far down and away the worst team that I've seen but in the naughty list, but Brighton's heading there really fast. Yeah, we had some love for Brighton earlier this season, but I, I think you and I are both starting to hate Brighton. I don't know if I'd say I hate Brighton, but, ah, man, I'm just tired of their wastefulness in front of goal. It just it pisses me off. Their jerseys are still nice, though. <laughs> West Brom's jerseys aren't, and they tied Liverpool 1-1, one to one, Kyle. And 
Liverpool, just like some of these mad draws are starting to become a thing for them. I mean, what was it? Fulham, I believe they tied. And yep. another Brighton. team as well. Brighton. Oh, God. Brighton. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Mane had a spectacular goal, I would say, in this game. A really quality finish. Um, West Brom tied it late. But what what's missing? Is it urgency? Is it is it the defense? Like, is it the wingbacks getting forward because they have to compensate for lesser center backs? Like, what's the reason... Liverpool are struggling to finish off these teams that they had no problem with last season. Man, I think it's the urgency this season. I mean, really, it, this whole game looked like a training exercise for Liverpool. It all seemed so easy, yet it was only just 1-0. And I think Liverpool and other players just expected that West Brom would keep on playing this sort of, I, I think Klopp called it a 6-4 formation, which is pro- probably really accurate, actually. I mean, West Brom sit, sat so deep, but... Liverpool just didn't have any urgency in their game. They just it, it didn't seem like they ever thought West Brom could equalize. But in the second half, I think West Brom actually got in the opposing box more than Liverpool got in West Brom's box. And that's probably because they had so many players. But Liverpool just didn't really look like they'd break through until after West Brom equalized. It just, I don't know. Liverpool seemed a little maybe mentally exhausted. Yeah, I mean, and just they couldn't get the ball on goal this on frame this game. 17 shots, two on target. I mean, 78.5% possession, too. It's just exhausting when you're running around and can't break through and they're just forcing shots because you have 10 behind the yeah. ball, right? So, Is that not the Moving most up. Sam Allardyce performance ever? A 1-1 draw against the league leaders with 22% possession. Nonsense. It was disgusting. I mean, it was a disgusting Gross. watch. It's a disgusting team. It's a disgusting jersey. Disgusting name. Like, I, I, I mean, I could go on, but don't want to drag them in the mud too much, you know. Uh, lastly, Fulham and Southampton, nil-nil draw. I mean, I don't have much to say. Ward-Prowse almost hit a wonder goal with a set piece, but three, three shots from Southampton. I think that's so disappointing against a sh- crappy Fulham team. So blasting this one into outer space, Kyle. Feels good to have the blaster back. We haven't blasted yeah, I mean, a game out Sometimes there we need it, and Southampton is quality, but Fulham just not. And so, see Blast it. Bye-bye. And that's it. And we had more games. I mean, we're recording on Monday. There were two games today that we'll get into the next pod, but it's game after game after game. We got, we got to give ourselves a break, man. We're, we're here on holidays trying to spend it with our families, but it's like we're working. So no segment today. We've done enough. We'll be back in like two or three days, though. <laughs> we will be back probably Thursday um, morning because, you know, we want to enjoy New Year's Eve with our significant others, likely. Uh, so that's it from us. Uh, you know, make sure you check out. We have some good games upcoming. You already missed the Tuesday games. But tomorrow we have, I believe, Brighton Arsenal, uh, Burnley Sheffield. You can go ahead and skip that game. Uh, And we have United against Wolves around noon Pacific time. So I think that's the game of the day tomorrow. I think Southampton-West Ham could be a good watch as well, though. And then Wednesday, we have Spurs-Fulham-Newcastle-Liverpool. So I wouldn't say we have a bunch of sexy matchups this week, Kyle. No, I mean, the one that just stands out is probably the United-Wolves game on uh, Tuesday. Unfortunately, what was looking like it would be the best game of the week, uh, Everton and Man City postponed due to a rising uh, surge in COVID cases on Man City. We'll see what that means for uh, match week 17 as well. Yeah, so that follows directly after match week 16 this upcoming weekend. So 
Kyle and I are very busy, as you can tell. And they play Chelsea. And so either City are going to be A, down some really important players, or B, that match will be postponed. So yeah, it's we'll interesting. see what It's interesting to think what that could actually do to the season because Man City would have three games in hand, and two of those would be against uh, you know, Everton and then uh, Chelsea. So, God, I don't know how they're going to fit in extra fixtures into this crazy-ass year. Maybe they'll get dumped out of the Champions League and it'll create a lot of room for them. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, the City get the nice draws, so. Always. Who do they have this year? Uh, is remember. it Machen Gladbach? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's it's probably actually the, it's probably the toughest draw they've had in multiple years for round of 16. Yeah, it's not Santa Claus FC from Norway, so it's actually a decent team. But for Kyle, we're going to wrap it up. I am Justin. We will see you in a few days. Follow us on Instagram at OverTheTopEPL and on Twitter, OverTheTopEPL. We will see you later this week. Bye.